Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Swirl Suite, everybody. Hey, Tanisha, how are you? What's up? I'm good. How are you? (laughs) You sound like you're in a mood. A mood, but I don't know what mood it is. Okay. I don't know if I'm tired, if I'm delirious. I don't know what's happening. Mm. Um, Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, What is life like um, during a pandemic in Paris this week? Oh, we're not in a pandemic no more. We're fine. For Things real? are back to normal. Okay. Wear a mask in the street. It's no, it's no pandemic. Nothing never happened. We we <laughs> we just get into it. <laughs> just get, it's regular. Well, lucky you. Um, so I did hear some good news the other day. <clears throat> At least for DC, I heard that the um the rates were falling here slowly, but they're they're okay. going down. So um I don't know who to give that credit to, but um people are still out doing stuff um probably just a lot more people vaccinated and getting tested and whatnot so um it's it's still a mess it's still a mess yeah um (laughs) a mess for sure so the thing here is it's an election year so um you know they're trying to make sure that um you know the president wants to be reelected and so he wants Mm. to be a man of the people um, and kind of do what he thinks the people want. Want, okay. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And also, I'm trying to figure out how to say this. Um, since we have the vaccination pass, like in order to get into restaurants, bars, clubs, movies, all of that, you have to be vaccinated. Before mm-hmm. it used to be you could take a test. Now it's like, nah, scrap that. Yeah. You got to be vaccinated or you can't move around. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess it's these figures, you know what, if you're in these places and you vaccinate it, then everybody's fine. You can go on and live your life. And that's that, which I guess it makes sense. Well, but, we just know. started that here a few days ago. Um, so restaurants had to prepare their procedure for checking people's vaccination at the door, that kind of thing. Restaurants, bars, and like um, wherever you go to see a show, theaters that sort of thing um a lot of people are upset Mm -hmm. about it but um you know stay home I mean there is nothing that can be done at this point that would make everybody across the board be okay somebody's going to hate something yeah yeah no you're right I was gonna hate something so it's gonna be a problem right and not about COVID and pandemics yeah, well, <laughs> on a lighter note, let's bring our special special guest on so we can talk a little bit about wine. Alex, how are you? I'm doing swell. Always better <laughs> with a glass of wine when, yes. uh, you know, talking about issues like that. I mean, I think it's we're here uh, at the winery when we're looking at our uh, our events for next year and things like that, having those same discussions and just kind of beating your head against the wall trying to figure out can you please everybody the answer is always no so what can we just do that's best for the largest number of people mm, I see that's so because why go crazy trying to do everything for everybody yeah. when you yeah. know everybody isn't gonna be satisfied you can't yeah <laughs> so Alex please, Alex please introduce yourself and tell everybody where you work and what you do sure yeah of course so 
Uh, I'm Alex Jankowski. I do marketing for Wagner Vineyards, uh, which is located in the Finger Lakes region of New York. We're on the east side of Seneca Lake. Uh, so I just came up on my two-year anniversary uh, being at Wagner and being in the region. So uh, it's been, uh, it was kind of a career change for me and it was a much needed one. So I've just been loving life out here, just learning all that goes on, uh, not just at Wagner, which is a 100% estate bottled winery. So every, they do everything. They grow all of their own grapes, obviously, and they make the wine as well. So learning all about that process, but then just getting um, more acclimated and with the all the different organizations and stuff like that in the region, learning about all the different wineries and, and the history that's here has been pretty remarkable. So it's been a very, very exciting two years, uh, of course, caveated by all that's happening in the world uh, these past two years has, has made it pretty strange transition overall. What were you doing before you um, moved to the area and started Wagner? I was a sports journalist. So I had wrote for newspapers for about 10 years up and down the country. And then about for the past five years prior to moving out here, I was working, I was living in Boston uh, and working at DraftKings, which is that famous. If you watch a football game, you've probably seen 80 million commercials for DraftKings. Uh, so I was the, I was the content manager there and it was, it was a wild, awesome place to work, but uh, having two little kids, it's tough working that many nights and weekends. So I was looking for something a little bit more laid back. Uh, my wife and I both have, have loved wine for a handful of years prior to that when we lived out in California. So really wanted to, uh, take a run at it and see what it's all about. Just even learn more about um, all that goes into to making wine. So moved out here to the region. Uh, my wife still actually works for a company based out of Boston. She works remotely, started about three months before everybody was working remotely, uh, kind of before, before it was cool. Uh, and then, you know, so I kind of transitioned from talking about sports to talking about wine, which I've uh, thoroughly enjoyed. That is a crazy transition. So sports to wine, how did that even happen? So I guess it first started, so I grew up in Buffalo, you know, about two hours from here and never didn't really know much about this region at all. I mean, I, I live in Watkins Glen. I knew it had a racetrack and that there was a NASCAR race and that was about it. Um, but actually I was living out in San Luis Obispo, California. So it's on the central coast and right near the Paso Robles wine region. Uh, and that was really when I, I was writing for a newspaper out there. And that's really where I first started to uh, really drink wine. <laughs> I guess the first time I saw the movie Sideways, let's just put it that way. Like that's, you know, everyone and the Psalm documentaries and everything like that really just started to, to fall in love with wine. And then when we moved to Boston after that, just, just exploring even more, um, listening to podcasts, watching documentaries, drinking a lot of wine uh, from different regions and stuff. So it really just kind of overtook sports as a passion of mine. Um, you know, when you, when you work in sports for 10 plus years, I mean, you kind of become, you kind of lose a lot of what you loved about sports, right? It kind of became a job and things like that. And um, who knows if wine will get there one day. Um, I haven't, I have no reason to believe it will though, just because I feel like I'm, I'm learning something new every day. What would you say, like, since you're a journalist, what would you say the marketing or the journalism behind sports and, and wine, what would be the difference? 
So I would say the biggest thing that I've had to adjust to is, you know, so when, when you work for a place like DraftKings, anybody else who's doing that same job or offering that same service, it is, they are your rival, right? That is your competitive, uh, you know, that is the, the business that you are competing against. So uh, I was in that mindset a lot. And it was a lot like you would be playing sports, right? There's two teams, one of them's going to win. You want it to be your team. Um, and, and then to come out here uh, and, and really just come into wine in general and learn so much more about the camaraderie that is amongst all the grape growers and winemakers in this region, um, it, it took me a, a minute to really, uh, you know, uh, start working with uh, folks who have the same job as me at other wineries here and really like, how can we collaborate and work together? Um, because the farmers, you know, the grape growers, they all do that. They're sharing equipment, they're sharing ideas. Uh, and really, you know, living the philosophy of a rising tide, you know, raises all ships. Uh, so that, that for me was, was a bit of a transition. Um, and, and I, I feel I'm, I'm a much better person for it. Like there's, you know, we're, we're all working together. It's just a much more harmonious uh, atmosphere. Uh, you know, I, I would say there's still there's a lot of similarities in terms of, of how you, you market something or how you uh, you tell a story. I mean, I think that's something that I've tried to keep with me throughout. It's what I loved about journalism, being able to tell stories. Uh, and, and I feel like I work at a place that has a pretty remarkable story. So, so doing all I can to show that in different ways and still tell that story has kind of been a, a line that's run through really my whole career. I've noticed that there's a really nice camaraderie with wineries in in the Finger Lakes and even in Pennsylvania, um, Maryland, and then also in California. Tanisha, do you have that camaraderie? Have you seen that in France? Absolutely. In the um, different regions, they will have that camaraderie with each other. I mean, I'll be at tastings and they'll be so busy talking to each other that like they can't pour me wine. I'm like, are, are you here to work or are you here to talk to your friend that you didn't see from across the river? Like, what are you doing? Um, but they definitely have that um, where they like to be around each other. They like to talk and share stories and that kind of thing. They don't look at it as a competition um, when they're making wine. They look at it as we have uh, a good product and we want to share our region, this typicity, this, you know, everything that our region is, we want to share that with other people. So they look at it like that. Okay. All right. That's not too bad. That sounds sort of friendly. <laughs> it's friendly. -ish. I, mean, I, I, <laughs> the French, can, the French her, can be shady. So you know how to right. you know how it goes. Well, I think yeah. as far as like France and some of the older world regions go, I mean, there's, there's so many rules and regulations True. already. Like you're all, you're, you're almost kind of already working on just this one plot of land anyways. So you know, you're not really fighting over or any, anything territorial because you're all, you know, you're, you're kind of set in where you are and what grapes you can grow. Um, and, and for a region like the Finger Lakes, it was all just about, well, we need, we need recognition. We need people to actually mm. take us seriously and actually try our wine. So the only way we're going to do that is if we can have more than just one, you know, winery or one winemaker or even just one part of the lake being talked about. Uh, we really need everybody to come and realize how much can be done here. Mm. Oh. oh, I feel that. I feel that. So um, tell us a little bit more about your role with Wagner. Um, like, what is your like day to day? Like, what's your schedule like? 
Yeah, so <laughs> I kind of say that I am the, I was brought on to do all the bragging that uh-huh. <laughs> Wagner Vineyards deserves <laughs> because uh, I think through and through the Wagner family, uh, they're farmers and this is, this is their this is their livelihood. They're, you know, this is what they, they get up every morning, head out to the vineyard and, and go and, and from, from sun up to sundown. And so there's not really a lot of time to uh, go on Instagram or go on Twitter and see what people are talking about in wine or what, you know, what the best way necessarily is to, to sell the wine. And, you know, so for, for me, there's, that's just one of those like overall things that I'm always kind of thinking about is helping, like, how do I just get somebody to, uh, to just try the wine and, and, and listen to the story and understand all that goes into it. Um, so usually there's, there's some social media aspect uh, in my day to day. And then we also, I mean, being one of the older wineries in the region, one of the larger wineries in the region, we work a lot with different organizations. Um, whether it's the Finger Lakes Wine Alliance or the Seneca Lake Wine Trail. So I do a lot. Um, I'm the marketing chair for the Seneca Lake Wine Trail. So there's usually a good amount of meetings there. And, you know, just talking about different programs that whether it's bringing in, trying to bring just regular wine lovers into the region or trade and media, uh, you know, just trying to figure out how that'll all come together. And then, you know, then we'll get a pandemic and we'll have to change all the plans for that we had. And, and that's kind of how these past two years have been, but um, you know, there's, there's always something different. And, and if I'm ever bored, the great thing about Wagner is I can just go out into the vineyard and find out what the crew is up to today, because there's, there's something going on every day. It's always different. And, you know, I, I've noticed for sure that, that what's really resonated with, with people on Instagram or Facebook is showing that behind the scenes that, uh, you know, you don't get to see when you come to our, our beautiful tasting room. People love seeing the dirt. <laughs> you know, you might not think it, but, but that really is what, what people want to see now and, and just continue to learn about. I am one of those people. Uh, there is a girl, her name is Brene Royale, and she is, I think she's a vineyard manager. She works specifically in the vines. So when they have to harvest and pick at like 3 a.m. before the sun comes up, like she's out there and she is showing pictures of rattlesnakes and bats in her house and like rats eating up her engine because she lives on a farm. Like it is a mess, but it's wonderful. I love watching it. So no, you're absolutely right. Yeah, we, I mean, we harvest for Rosé, we harvest our Cabernet Franc at midnight. Uh, every year. And so I, I went out with the crew and I, we have a, we have a drone that I do for a lot, a lot of our video footage. And this is my first time ever flying a drone in pitch black. And, you know, you, you try to bring it up into the air and it's telling you, just so you know, we can't uh, tell you if you're about to run into a tree or anything, because we can't see anything. I'm like, no, it's fine. So I just kind of follow the harvester and maybe one of the more scarier, because that's, that's not something I paid for. That's something that uh, ownership paid for. So it would, uh, it would not be great if I flew that, uh, that drone into Seneca Lake on accident, but thankfully we got, you know, some pretty remarkable shots, but again, just showing like, this is what they do. This is the, the things that, you know, when, when we're talking about appreciating everything that, that goes into a line, um, this is what we're talking about getting up at midnight or staying awake as the case was, you know, without a, you know, without any gripes or anything, this is just the work and it's what needs to get done. I would still have some gripes, though. I mean, I would do it. <laughs> I would complain the whole time. Complain I mean, the whole time. I mean, you gotta know. Yeah. The whole way. 
the whole way. Like it's pitch black out there. Like this is crazy. But the one I did my uh, I did one. I was a harvest intern for one day at another winery when I was deciding to come out to the region, and uh, that one day was enough for me. That I'm like, yeah, I can get my hands dirty and stuff, but uh, much rather stay on the uh, on the marketing side of it at least at the start. I think that's about how long I would last a day if I made it through the whole day. I'm like. Uh, my hands are delicate. It's hot out there. It's, I mean, you bent over the whole time. Mm-mm. I mean, you're in dirt. Like, no, that's not for me. <laughs> <laughs> so Alex, like what kind of grapes does Wagner grow? So Wagner grows 20 different grape varieties. Uh, it is, it's pretty wild. So the family has been growing in the region for over a hundred years. And a lot of the varieties that they were growing initially were native and high French American hybrid varieties. So uh, not necessarily varieties that, um, you know, uh, a wine lover might really see too often on the shelves, things like Deshaunac, uh, Cayuga, Niagara. Um, these, these grapes were what, you know, really kind of started the region uh, that back in those days. Uh, but as more and more folks started to experiment, the main man being Dr. Konstantin Frank, who came over from the Ukraine, was the first to plant vinifera in the 1950s. We started to see that vinifera uh, vines could handle the, the climate out here. Uh, so seven of the 20 are vinifera varieties, that are our largest planting being Riesling. We have about 62 acres of Riesling, which is the largest in the Finger Lakes. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, we love Riesling, obviously, because of how, how versatile it can be. I mean, if it's sweeter or, or, or dry style wines. Um, and we're seeing that with Cabernet Franc as well. So we're starting to expand our, our Cabernet Franc plantings also. Wagner has been around for a long time. Um, I think I saw 1979 in your, in, in your email. What's, yeah, what's so, special yeah, about that's... Wagner to have them around for so long? <laughs> I think I think there is an earnestness that that translates with folks. I mean that again, we were the family was lifelong grape growers uh, even prior to 1979. Uh, what stopped the Wagners from opening a winery earlier was the licensing and thing and the the organizational structures and the licenses you needed to operate a winery at that time were were really made it so only very large conglomerate wineries could operate. So they grew grapes and then sold them to much larger wineries. Uh, But then there was something called the New York Farm Winery Act in 1976, which opened uh, and allowed smaller uh, winemaking to happen. So we opened our doors in 1979. And from that day, we've really just had the philosophy of uh, over delivering on value and you know, just showing people the types of wines and the grapes that we can grow out here. So that's, you know, been the philosophy since day one. And I think, you know, part of my job was almost, you know, when I, when I came in with, let's say like fresh eyes, just as, as somebody who wasn't really from the region, but had, you know, more of a marketing background is, you know, let's, let's remind people just because we've been around forever, we're still trying new things. We still have, uh, we're still doing all we can to keep uh evolving and making better and better lines and it's it's been the case and it really makes my job easy because I don't have to 
do a lot of <laughs> sugar coating or anything like that. I mean, I, I can really just flip on it on the video and show people what's happening. And, and I know it's going to be authentic. I know it's going to be genuine and, and people certainly appreciate that. Maya Johnson Dunn, she wrote a piece, Wagner Vineyards, Disrupting the Wine Industry with Care. Um, and you were all up and through the article. Um, and, and kudos to you for the movement that you started. So tell a little bit about uh, what you did at Wagner. Yeah, so um, Maya's piece resonated with me just so much on so many different levels because I think I wouldn't have wanted anybody else to write that article than Maya, who, who has lived in the region, who has experienced things in the region as a Black woman that I myself would would never experience. And I think it's important to, to shed light on that. So, you know, I don't, I, all I'm trying to do is, uh, you know, make sure that we're doing all we can here at Wagner to continue to make wine and our wines and our, our region as accessible and welcoming to everybody as possible. And I think, you know, over the course of the past year and a half, especially, it's, it's continued to be clear that having that as a philosophy that, you know, is in your head and you're just talking about isn't good enough anymore because there are a lot of people in a lot of different communities who need to know before they go somewhere that they are going to be cared for, that they are going to be protected and that our staff is going to make sure that if a situation arises, we're going to, uh, you know, have their well-being top of mind and have, have that as our top priority. So, you know, that's something that I'm, I'm very lucky and glad to say that when I started to talk to our ownership about, they were behind me 100%. And I think, you know, when I talk to other wineries or when I talk to other folks in marketing, you know, the, one of the things that I say is, is, is most important is you need to have the ownership's backing on it because it has to be a core part of your philosophy to the point where you can put it on your website, to the point where I can go on social media and post about it. And if I get, you know, negative comments, I can, I can push back, you know, um, and I need to know that I'm going to, you know, have the support of, of ownership when it comes to that. So, you know, the, what kind of prompted, I, I believe, Maya to, to reach out about writing the article was visitor code of conduct policy, which we enacted early last year, which was based on, um, I had attended this group called the Lyft Collective, had a, had a conference that was virtual back in March. Um, and it was just kind of a symposium for uh, promoting uh, DEI initiatives in wine. And it was one of these, you know, I myself as a straight cisgendered white man, I was one of maybe two or three of those in, in the group. Like I was, you know, I really just got to sit and listen to perspectives that that I myself never experienced. And I, I mean, I would always say like, if you have an ounce of empathy in your heart, you couldn't sit there and listen to what folks, how folks have struggled to make it in the industry, how folks have struggled to uh, be able to be themselves in, in, at their job or when they're going out to a winery. Like you couldn't sit there and listen and then just be like, go about your day. <laughs> and like, as if nothing was happening. So, you know, making sure that we could, um, continue to work and, and create a, you know, some, some strategies that we could address, not just visitors, visitors who are coming in, but are we doing enough in, in certain communities in our region? And, 
you know, so those are the kind of the things that I've been following up on. And, uh, you know, I, like I said, I was, I was very glad Maya wrote the article. It was not, you know, we didn't start this just so we could have an article written about it. Um, but at the end of the day, like, you know, it's, it's the beginning this, you know, this, as I know, a lot of people know this work does not really ever stop. So, uh, you know, we gotta, we gotta, every time I, I read that article, I'm thinking, okay, well, what are we doing now? What's the next thing that we're doing to keep moving this forward? Kudos to you. That's, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. What, what advice would you give to other wineries that are just struggling with service? Well, I think a lot of it goes back to understanding now how much more it matters to folks, what your core philosophies are and how you want to go about doing your business. It's not, it's so much more now than just what the product is. I mean, there's a lot of great wine <laughs> uh, here in the Finger Lakes. There's a, you know, there's, there's no shortage of, of fantastic wine. Um, so what is going to set somebody apart? You got to, you got to think about that a little bit. Uh, you you got to understand, okay, maybe it's the story of, of how the winery was started, or it's an understanding that we're going to be more, we're going to be more than just a winery. When you're coming here to visit, we're going to be offering an experience that, um, it, whether it's, you know, a welcoming experience, something that, you know, you're going to be able to do more than just, you know, drink great wine, because again, uh, that's not something that's necessarily unique in this region, especially. So, you know, I think finding ways that you can engage with folks through on those different levels, that's not just, hey, here's the points that our wine has scored here, are the medals that our wine has scored. Um, social media can be uh, a great tool to do that. And it can also obviously, uh, you know, uh, go the other way as well if you don't know how to handle it properly and how to engage with folks. Um, but I mean, time and time again, for me, just being transparent and being authentic about it uh, is always the best way that I've found, at least. That's awesome. And congrats on your Finger Lakes Tourism Alliance Customer Service Award. That's great. Thank you. Thank you. That was um, that, that was a surprise. I was, was at this large kind of year-end Zoom call and... Uh, everybody kind of was on mute with video off. And, and so as was I, and I was kind of just starting to, uh, you know, start to check email and things like that. And I heard them describing the winner. And when I heard young man in East side of Seneca Lake, I'm like, Oh, wait a minute, I should probably uh, take my video <laughs> off or put my video back on here and, and make sure I'm paying attention. But uh, yeah, no, that, that, that was great. And I think, um, you know, I certainly uh, as a testament, not just to myself, but to all the different and, and people who have helped me when I first moved out here because it was it was tough to go you know to move out here and then three months later there's this huge pandemic and you have to completely shift any sort of um, mm. strategy or anything like that I mean we had to go we had to go virtual we had to um, you know start start figuring out how we can uh, bring people into the tasting room and not into the vineyards without actually being able to come here so yeah. challenging but but fun too yeah Hopefully more businesses and more wineries start to follow in your footsteps. I, I think you, I think a lot we're we're almost forced to in a way. I mean, I think, you know, in stories of of wineries that had to that had to put an, an e-commerce platform up 
in the middle of the pandemic uh, so they could start selling wine online. Um, you know, I think those who were able to quickly do that, if they hadn't had it already, I definitely saw the benefits of it. But uh, yeah, definitely forced some to, to rethink things. Cool. So we have some closeout questions for you. And uh, Tanisha, you can jump in too. <clears throat> okay. The first, <laughs> the first question is, have you ever had grape pie? Uh, I've had maybe one, maybe two slices. I've, I've definitely had one. I don't know if I ever went back for seconds. Um, I was little, about to ask, how is it? It's sweet. It is. Okay. It is very, very sweet. Is this a finger wakes um, thing? Well, there's definitely, yeah. <laughs> so uh, certain times of the year, uh, you'll, the, the yard signs will start cropping up uh, of who's selling grape pies. And, um, you know, I think a lot of it is because there's certain, certain varieties that are grown out here, Concord, Niagara, uh, these native varieties that, that really don't make, well, they make very sweet wines. So uh, the demand for those wines have, has started to uh, decline a little bit. So you have all these grapes and so they, they go well in pie as well, but it, much like the wines that they make, they are, they are sweet. So you just need something to counterbalance that. Interesting. Hmm. Huh? Yeah. I, I've never had it. Tanisha, it sounds like you've never had it. And I don't think I want it. <laughs> <laughs> you mean I didn't do a good job? I didn't sell you on it? I, no, my reaction. That was going to be a hard sell, though. That was going to be a hard sell. That was yes, going to be a true. hard sell. Yeah. All right. How do you like your wings? Drums or flats? I spent a lot of time debating this uh, internally. Um, and, you know, I think, I think where I've landed I think where I've landed is I was, I was a drums kid, kid growing up, uh, easier, you know, I think it was just because they were a little bit easier, less messy to eat. I've really come to appreciate flats though, because there's a lot more flat surface area for my blue cheese. Mm -hmm. So, um, I've, I'm, I'm, I think I'm team flats now. I have a better, uh, better way of, of getting the bones out and, and enjoying them. Uh, but, but I'll take either. So, so drums or flats, my answer is yes. How about that? I'm wings. Yeah. Uh, Tanisha, what about you? Drums. Really? Yeah, I'm flats. I'm a flats girl all day. I can't even like, I, I you know, know what I like? Yes. I like the crispy skin that are around flats. I like that better than the fat mm. that's around a drum. That's my reasoning. Yeah, nope. I'm the <laughs> well, so now the drum, I mean, you really all the meat is really up at the top. You're yeah, you're no. wasting bone space there, you know, mm. with for about half of that wing. So true. Um, true. Okay. All right, next, it. Can hold <laughs> next question. Favorite Super Bowl snack. Nacho. So if it's yeah, okay. Loaded or uh, just loaded? Or? loaded. And literally everything. <laughs> everything from sour cream to guacamole, salsa, everything. Black beans, tomatoes. I like my. Beans, I like, like when the chips all. get a little soggy from everything being loaded on there. Yeah, you pull yeah. it up and it's like just a corner because all the chips break because they all. Yes, I want. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can empty pretty much the pantry out in that 
I, w- I watch the the TV show Chopped a lot with my wife and like mm-hmm. nachos, you know, you can, you can put them all, whatever's in the basket, just put it, put, make a nacho and that's, yeah. that's that'll take it. Um, yeah. And you guys have, conver- you've converted me. I mean, cause I was just going to say like chicken wing dip or something, but oh. I oh, now man. want nachos. So um, <laughs> that's, that's added. That's on the list now. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Cause wings right. are good too, as a snack. They are. That's a good Super Bowl snack too. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, choice of donut. How do you like your donut? So, I think a peanut stick is usually where I'll go. Um, I'm sorry. What? So, so it's it's like a glazed donut, and then there's like crushed peanuts on it. Um, Pretty. pretty you know i can always get down with that uh i, was I, I don't that like a set. lot of, i don't like a lot of like jelly or custard filled um yeah i mean half of it you're just spending trying to get to that middle and then it yeah. really usually is a mess right after that too who's gonna score down on your face <laughs> or 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 on the other end and fall down and then you don't you know yeah it's a waste. Oh, i'm sure yeah mm-hmm. yeah um, what do you what, think? Uh, Follow up question about wine pairings and donuts? Ooh. Yes or no? Donut wine, wine pairings. Yes. Could you be convinced to give it a try? I've done that. Before. And you wouldn't even have to convince me hard. Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. Just a small suggestion, and we're uh-huh. in. I have had I like a cinnamon. Pie. I've had a sugars like a cinnamon sh- sugar cinnamon donut cake donut with, I think it was Sauternes. And it was good. Okay. It was very good. Yeah, I could, I could see, see it that. going with a Riesling, actually. Yeah. 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 A little, little bit that. on semi dry or one of the sweeter mm-hmm. ones. Yeah. Also, cake donuts are my favorite. Are they? Oh, they're not my favorite. Yes. Oh, they're mm-hmm. my favorite. I like yeasty donuts. I like the super big yeasty donuts. If I'm going to have a donut, then I'm going to have a donut and it's going to be. You know, you remember, um, I don't know if you guys have Shoppers Food Warehouse in, in New York, but Tanisha, you know Shoppers, right? Mm-hmm. So Shoppers has massive oh, colossal oh, donuts. Man, that's so well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, massive colossal yeasty donuts. And I'm, I'm a plain Jane. I just like chocolate frosting. No, cake donut, Dunkin' Donuts, the blueberry one that has like a little mm-hmm. bit of uh, glaze on it. That's the one. Okay. All right. I know. I know. All right, last question is for Alex. If you could sip with any football player, who would it be? <sighs> if I could only pick one. So uh will come as no surprise that I'm a that I'm a Buffalo Bills fan, uh, having grown up there and spent probably a 20 more than half my life watching them be lose a lot, but they're at it <laughs> now, which is exciting. But so, so I was gonna pick any one of my favorite Bills players, but I realized like if I'm gonna be sipping wine I want to be sipping wine with somebody who's going to uh appreciate it as well and be able to like we can we can talk about whatever it is we're sipping so I I went with a non-Bills player uh in Charles Woodson who not only Ooh, yeah uh, I've had his with wine. wine but also you know bourbon as well like the guy he's he's got great taste so I feel like you know whatever bottle it is that we're sipping like I will really be able to have a back and forth about it so i Charles Wilson would be my answer. That's a really good answer. Really good answer. Awesome. 
Now I just have to make it happen. I guess if I, I don't know if he really likes, I know his wines are usually Napa and cabs. So I don't know. Maybe he's got to try some cool climate reds out here in the Finger Lakes. And some great path. Yeah. <laughs> well, this was a, such a fun conversation, Alex. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks. Oh, no problem. Thank you both so much for having me. Hopefully uh, see you out at the Finger Lakes again sometime. Absolutely. Oh, before you go, where can everybody follow you <clears throat> and Wagner? Sure. So uh, on Instagram, uh, my personal handle is Alex Jank FLX, uh, but go follow Wagner Vineyards, uh, all one word, of course, on Instagram and Facebook. I'm usually spending uh, just as, if not more time over there. Uh, and yeah, let, let me know what what the next thing you want to see out in the vineyard is because um, we're, we're an open, open curtain here. We'll show you all that's going on behind the scenes. And uh, it's usually just trying to figure out what it is everybody's interested in. And, and I'm shocked sometimes when it's just, you know, the tractor. I'll, I'll, you want me to live stream the tractor? I'll live stream the tractor. I would love to watch that. I will be one of those people. <laughs> so thank you. Right. <laughs> You're very welcome. Well, thanks again, and you and your family stay safe. I wish you all the luck at Wagner. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining the Swirl Suite, everybody. We hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share, and give us five stars on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Have a great week. Cheers. Cheers.